Good morning. My name is Cooper Williams. I'll be reading John 4, verses 46 to 54. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you'll never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever had left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed this was the second sign Jesus performed from after coming from Judea to Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I believe this is the first time in a while that we've had uh, one of our youth come up here and read scripture for us. So I thank Cooper for taking the plunge. He's one of the first ones to do it. So, um, yeah, so the rest of you teenagers in the house, yeah, we're coming for you. <laughs> so just get ready. Rehearse a little bit, you know. Doesn't hurt to get a little exercise in public speaking. And uh, so we're thankful. We're thankful for all the ages that um, God has brought into our church. My name is Omari Hill. For those of you who are guests with us this morning, I'm one of the assistant pastors here. Uh, Pastor Howard Brown is away at a conference, uh, RUF, which is the campus ministry of the denomination our church is a part of. They have a, uh, all the regional campus ministries get together during this time of year. They have two weekends where all these college students just converge one place in Camp Greystone. Some of you know where that is, uh, west of here. And they hear God's word. They hear the gospel. They spend time with each other and worship and singing. And um, man, it's a great time, and so they, they've asked uh, Pastor Howard to come out there, and uh, he's preaching today twice, um, so just keep him in your prayers as he's uh, with that, that fantastic group that's meeting out there in the woods and wonderful, idyllic setting. Uh, just also want to remind those of you who are members of our church that this Wednesday we have our congregational meeting, and I just ask that you come to that. Um, please make every effort to come if you can do so. There's going to be some good things that we're going to share with you. We have an opportunity for some feedback. But uh, just uh, you know, check your email if you want more details on that meeting. Also want to let you know that there will be childcare available during that time. There's going to be space for kids, so they won't be with us in the meeting. And there's also going to be, we'll, I think we're going to inaugurate our youth wing. Um, so there's some things that are going to be there. Nintendo Switch, I'm just saying. There's some stuff that are going to be there. All right, so you, so you want to make sure that, uh, that you're there for that also on Wednesday night. So this morning, we've heard the scripture from John. And first, well, let me tell you this, that John is, for the kids in the room, John is a friend of Jesus. And you probably already heard of him. He's one of the apostles. Those were the 12 men who were chosen by Jesus himself to follow him. And they had the authority to then begin the church in his name. And so John was a close friend of Jesus, and he writes this gospel that we've just heard already read for us this morning. And in verse 54, it tells us that this miracle that happened, this young boy whose life was restored, was the second sign 
that Jesus performed. The second sign. Now, what is a sign? Signs point to things, don't they? So you think of your, your favorite signs, like the green light, or the express lane, or kids eat free. Right? Those, are, those are signs that we care about, right? But the, but the sign is not the thing itself, but it, it points you to something else. So the, the green light lets you know that you can move freely through the intersection. The express lane tells you that you've got a $2 path to maybe sanity on I-77, right? Um, and then, you know, the, the Kids Eat Free gives you a chance to eat together, to eat out without having to hire a babysitter, right? Or if you're a teenager, it gives you an opportunity to pretend like you're 12, right? Um, so, but the, but the signs, they point to something. They point to something real. But then they also call us to make a decision. So what's the, what's the big deal about this sign that we've already heard of this morning? To what real thing does it point? Now, if you look in the last chapter of John's gospel, in chapter 24, Jesus, you know, John tells us that Jesus performed all of this, all these many signs, and John is letting us know about these signs uh, so that uh, we would know that Jesus is God's choice for the world's one true king and rescuer, the Lord and Savior. So it, it, it's not enough for us to just to look at what the sign is, but once you understand what that sign is, then you need to make a decision. So when you see the golden arch, right, do you turn in for a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit? Like, like I might, guilty as charged. Or do you say, not today, Satan, and you keep it moving, right? <laughs> right? Or, 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 you know, so, so, so John says that we should believe. When we look at these signs, we should, we should believe and put our trust in the Lord Jesus as our Savior so that we can have true life in his name, which already tells you that this life that, that God is offering, whatever it is, it's going to be a gift as or someone else's name. So this sign, this sign of the boy who had been restored from dying, it invites us to true life that comes through and in God's King his rescuer for the entire universe, and that person is Jesus. So let's, let's get to this sign. Let's take a closer look at it so that we can understand it, but then also figure out how to follow it. What is this sign? How do we understand it? And then how do we, how do we follow it? Well, then, to understand it, we have to look at the need of this man. Now, he's a, he's a royal official, John tells us, right? So that means he's a public employee, if you will. He works for the government. He probably worked hard to get where he is so that he could get government benefits and so that he could have a solid retirement plan. And apparently, he was a family man, too. I mean, he loved his wife, and he loved his kids, and he even loved his servants, the people that worked for him. But all of his love and his duty couldn't stop what was coming for his boy. Sometimes you feel like, God, I've done everything right. I'm not perfect, but I don't hurt anyone. So why is this happening to me? Here's a man that knew about loyalty and order. After all, he worked for a king, right? So he had to keep things straight. He had to know how to keep things organized and to do it well. And he was also the head of a large household, enough to have servants as well as family members. But there's nothing like 
the power of suffering to cause disorder in your life. And this man didn't have the power to stop it. Think about how anxious he must have been. Think about how desperate he must have been knowing that his son was about to die. See, like, kids, if you think about it, think about how weird or powerless you feel when somebody you care about, one of your friends gets sick, right? Doesn't it, doesn't it feel a little strange? Like, what am I supposed to do? My brother is sick. My sister is sick, right? Yeah, you know exactly what that feels like. I love that. So our parents and we who are parents in this room, well, let me talk to you kids. Your parents want a lot for you. We want the whole world for you, right? And we hate it when the day comes when you realize that this world is not as safe as you thought it was. When a friend breaks your heart, when you have to stay in the hospital for more than one day, when someone you trust treats you in a way that really hurts you, when you have to deal with anything from violent people to attending a funeral, it hurts. And you realize that the world isn't truly safe. And we hate that for you because we don't want you to become so afraid and so anxious that your joy and your wonder and your love and your peace is completely snuffed out. We hate that. And so we lose sleep, wanting you to, to be safe and to live a full life. And sometimes we are losing sleep because we're trying our best to prevent these things from happening to you. Many times we know that we can't. And some of you are losing sleep even now because you don't have someone who's losing sleep for you. This man couldn't rest. His son was dying. He needed a miracle right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but right now. Look at verse 46. It says this, talking about Jesus. He came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, I didn't have it here in the text, but if you go just one verse before, in verse 45, what you learn is that Jesus was just in Jerusalem during the Feast of Passover, and he had done some signs and miracles there. And so many people, including Galileans that lived in this place where this royal official was from, had already seen these things happen. So they knew that, that Jesus was a miracle man, that he was somebody that could make sick people well, that he could change your circumstance just by touching you and praying over you and holding you. So this man, in his desperate situation, when he heard that the miracle man was in town, and the first thing he was going to do was to run and find Jesus and say, help my son, you, you've got to do this, right? Now, kids, what, what is that little, that little phrase from Paul Patrol? Doesn't Paul Patrol say what Paul Patrol, Paul Patrol, whenever you're in trouble, Paul Patrol, there'll be there what? On the devil. Not Jesus. Not him. This man, he goes to Jesus. And what does Jesus say? He says, <laughs> he, 
He says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Wow. Why does Jesus have to be so rude? What's going on here? <laughs> and we're going to find out because I didn't know either when I looked at it, right? Like, what is Jesus doing? Right? And, and, but, okay, by the way, this is for free. By the way, sometimes we pray. Sometimes we go to Jesus with our stuff and we get confused or distressed or we get offended by what God says and we miss out on the blessing that's on the other side of that prayer. Sometimes we're too quick to dismiss him. This man, he's desperate. His son is going to die. I'm going to lose my child. What am I going to do? Jesus, you've got to help me. And so, when he, so he, he says this thing to him. He's, he says, you know, you're always looking for signs and wonders, you know. It kind of like, hey, what, what, what's the matter with you? What's your problem? And look, the man just says, look, okay, look, I got issues, all right? I got issues. But please, sir, just help my kid, right? I, I, I'll go there with you. I'll admit that I've got issues, but just come on, just help my kid. And Jesus has a point, though, in what he's saying here. This is what I discovered. He said, he's, what he's saying to this man and to us, it, it's not that I don't love you. But it's because I love you that I'm saying what I have said. And, and, and here's, here's, here's what's happening here. He's letting not just this man, but others, right? Because it says that, you know, Jesus said, you people. And when everybody, somebody says that term, you people, you're like, what? You know, hey, you better come correct, bro. What you mean? You people, right? So but Jesus, when Jesus says, you people, he's talking to them. And he says, you don't want me. You want what I can do for you, right? That, 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 that's his whole point here. He, he, says, he, says to, he says to them and he says to us, right, sometimes we don't want God on his terms. We want God to just come and fix our stuff so that we can get back to our lives, right? We, we just want to go to God with, when we go to God with our pain and our anguish and our discomfort, sometimes it reveals exactly who we believe is in charge. Is it God? Or is it me, right? Often we think we're the ones who's supposed to be in charge, right? What are, what are a lot of those TV shows that had the kids in them and Nick Jr. and all that stuff, what do, what do they usually say? You know, I, I'm the boss of me, right? A lot of the kids, a lot of the programs say that stuff. The kid, I'm the boss of me, right? God, I just need you to fix this terrible problem in my life so that I can get back to my plan my future, my destiny, right? But, but God is wild, right? And, 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 his, and when we interact with him, he's, we're like, man, what is he, go, what is he gonna do? I mean, look, look at Jesus. Jesus wasn't having it the way that he responds to him because that response to Jesus, how we come to him sometimes is disrespectful. So he's, he's not gonna have it, but this isn't new to God. This, this kind of disrespect, it's not new to God at all. Right? We came into the world like this. So if you remember, you go back to the book of Genesis and you see Adam and Eve, like ever since then, it has been part of our very nature to always want our best instead of God's best. Right? Like, but God's best is always for our good, but sometimes we think our plan is better. And it's in our very nature, it's in our heart to always distrust God's plan to go after ours. And to think that ours is much better, that God, I can do 
better by myself. I don't need God to, to, to dictate what I'm doing with my life. I don't need God to rule over me and to tell me what to do. I just, just fix a couple of things so I can get back to my plan. But clearly, based on Jesus' response here, God has never stopped being upset about that. It's always disturbed him. And so we need someone who can change our hearts and make things right between us and God. And that's who Jesus is. He's our rescuer, the rescuer who would become king. See, so without him, we stay under God's judgment forever. Right? Our need for a miracle also shows our need for a sign, which shows our need for a savior. If you're not a Christian, if you're not someone who is ready or has identified as a Christian today, you may be thinking, what judgment, right? Isn't that the, that future thing, hell and all that stuff, right? What are you talking about, judgment? Yeah, here's what's important for all of us to understand, right? Even if we're Christians, because sometimes we forget just how precious that Jesus is. See, there's, there's nothing wrong with needing a miracle. Nothing wrong with that at all. When your loved one is in trouble and you can't get over your heartbreak, you need a miracle. Right? And you, when, you, when you come out of, out of detox, right, you need those 12 steps to work. You need that miracle. When you've battled a disease, you need that thing to stay in remission. Right? You, you need a miracle. And Lord, Lord knows that we need miracles, and he's blessed us with them over and over and over again. There are testimonies right here in our congregation. But here's the judgment. Here's the, the, the curse that remains over us. It's this, that miracles only delay the inevitable. There's a cycle that just won't end, right? We get, we get healing in one area, and then there's wounding in another. Right? There's something gets fixed over here and another thing breaks down. Look, we, we never get whole. Right? If it isn't a cold, it's a tummy ache. Right? If it isn't school shootings, it's a hurricane. If it isn't betrayal, it's too many bills. Right? And, and then ultimately, there's death itself. So like this official's son, we are constantly at the point of death. It sits there, just waiting. Right? And there's nothing that our beauty, there's nothing that our money, there's nothing that our friends or our government can do about it. It just can't fix it. Each miracle that we experience is, is like a Band-Aid over a gaping wound. It'll get you by. It'll get you by. And it's nice to get by sometimes. But it won't save your life. God doesn't want us to just get by. Do you see his love for you here? God doesn't want you to just get by, but he wants us to have life in his name, right? To not be stuck in the cycle of selfishness and suffering and death, but to follow a sign, a sign that leads us to a way to eternal life and eternal, he excuse me, eternal healing. But we have to follow it. All right, parents, I'm helping you out here. We're already on the second point. We're getting out. We have to follow it. Okay, we have to follow. How do we follow this sign? 
It takes trust, belief, faith. What does trust look like? What does it mean to have belief in Jesus as the rescuer, as the king? The man who went down to Jesus, he shows us what trust looks like. Look at me at verse 49. It tells us this. It says that, well, actually, let me go back to verse 48. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Friends, let me tell you, that's a lot of trust right there. Because the man originally asked Jesus to come down, right? Come back home with me. Heal my son. But Jesus says, go. And he doesn't go with him. Now, any parent would want their doctor to come right away, right? right? I mean, insurance or not, you ain't leaving urgent care until somebody sees your kid, right? I'm mean, just like, look, look. I don't, I don't know what y'all got to do to work, these, work this stuff out, but, but I, like, I don't know if I have to be here for five hours, but somebody's got to see my kid. So you, you can't just tell me to go. That's not happening today. You're going to have to call authorities or something, you know, but I want to see my child get attended to. So, but he goes. He goes because he's beginning to trust Jesus' word. He's beginning to trust what he has said. And this is the kind of faith, the kind of trust that God desires, one that is willing to live by his word. This was Jesus' whole goal in his preaching, to teach us to live not by miracles, but by his word. That's the invitation to be a part of his kingdom, to learn how to live according to his will and his promises. What must this man have been thinking on his way back home, right? What was his, what, what was his wife going to say when he got back home? Where's Jesus, right? You messed up. I know you didn't come back here without him. Didn't you see our son is dying? Right? The, what was he been thinking? Like the, the fear. Like, uh, okay, he said go, but I have no idea if he's actually, I don't know if he's really going to come through. But I'm taking him at his word. And I want to see what Jesus is going to do. And he's on this way back that is not just hard for him psychologically, but also physically. I mean, he's, he's about 20 miles away from his home. And so it's this long way to get back home while he's waiting for Jesus to come through on what he has said. And sometimes for us, it's a long way to the promise of being at home with God. And all it seems we have sometimes is God's word. And sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we have doubts. And certainly this man's faith wasn't 100%. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I heard someone ask this question. They, they said, how much trust does it take? How much trust does a chair need to hold you up? Our faith is only as strong as this object. So no matter how shiny that chair is, if it's got a wobbly leg on it or something like that, it's not going to hold you up. 
But if that chair can perform what, it, what it's supposed to do, then you don't need much faith. All you have to do is use it. You need to sit on it, right? We don't have to have a lot of faith in Jesus. We just have to put whatever we have on him. All that we have, 20%, 10%, 5%, just put it on him. And he will come through because he is who he says he is, right? The, the boy, the boy was, was healed and his whole household believed. But this official and his family and his servants and all the people that loved him began to live by Jesus' word, not simply because of the miracle, not because of what happened to this boy, but because they discovered something about Jesus when he did it. See, because remember that Jesus didn't go with this man to heal the boy. But he simply spoke it. He spoke it. From 20 miles away, he spoke it and the boy was healed. What kind of man would have so much favor with God that he could heal a dying boy just by speaking it? So John says, he tells us in the, in the very beginning of his gospel that God created the universe by his word, and that word was God. And that same word became a man, and he lived among us. And if that word can make Mars, if that word can make the mountains and could make all the people of the earth, he can certainly make a new creation, and he can certainly make a new kingdom. The Son of God is strong enough to save everything, everything. But we don't always listen to him. We don't always submit to his word. So who, who of us deserves a miracle? Who deserves to, have, to, to be saved, to be healed by this God who can change everything just by speaking it? Who, and, and even less, who deserves to be saved? Who, de, who deserves to have his great salvation? Yet we get miracles. We get miracles in a wounded world in a world that can sometimes be dangerous, we get, go, your son will live. Because God said to his son, go, and you will die. You will rescue them from sin. You will rescue them from the curse of death itself by giving your life for them, you can go. You can be set free to have joy and wonder and peace and love and life in my name because of what my son has done. Our world, our world can be a dangerous world. It can be a place that is not always safe for us. And God himself can be at work in it, doing and saying some, some wild things that we don't sometimes understand, but he is worthy of our trust. Only the love of God in Jesus can heal wounded people and heal a wounded world. So then let us persist in prayer. Even when the road seems long, let us persist in giving our heart to his word, even when our faith isn't 100%. Let us persist in living whole lives, even when it looks like death has won, because Jesus is alive, and he has won the victory. And because of that, friends, I say to you this morning, the doctor 
is in. He's calling your name. Will you go to him and give him your trust? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what wondrous love is this, O my soul, that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my body and my soul. Lord God, you have revealed yourself to be Jehovah Jireh. You are our healer and our king and our savior. Rescue us from the deep womb that drives us apart from ourselves, from our families, from others, and from you. Heal us, O God. Work in us that we can be made whole. And hear us as we cry out to you for many miracles. But, O God, when you do it, remind us of your great love for us. And may that love change us. We want to be, as we just sang, Father, where you are. For peace is where you are. Joy is where you are. Wonder and love and power are where you are. Hold us, our healer. Hear our prayer. Make us whole. In the name of our King and our great rescuer, Jesus Christ. Amen.